0: good morning. I am so glad you're here this morning. Uh, I, I want so much to be a blessing to you. I had somebody recently ask me about happiness. How can you be happy in this coronavirus thing? And it stirred a memory in my heart. And I, I have this message to bring to you on what are the keys to happiness? and i hope you can follow along and any one of these keys that you that you've lost can make you unhappy and i i just want us again to be uh a happy remembering though that happy is uh not necessarily god's plan for our lives he just wants us to make the best we can of our circumstances happiness usually has to do with our circumstances Let's take a moment and have a word of prayer together. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus Christ, please, dear Lord, make me a blessing to be able to say the right words, to give these people keys into their hearts. Ask you, Lord, to help them to open their door to you, to you and your word. Lord, you know each one of us. You know our needs and our desires. Lord, meet those today. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the keys to my happiness I want to point out to you is the church parking lot is getting uh, finished. We're looking at probably Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, rain, rain, weather permitting. uh, We're going to have an asphalt parking lot. And after that, we have to get it painted up right. But It's been a long time coming, and so much of that is from your giving. And now we're going to have a nice, wonderful Macadam parking lot. So keep that in prayer and the weather in prayer as well. I want to bring you this message on the keys to happiness. And I want to point out to you that uh, there are some things leading up to my seven keys To happiness and I want to start in Acts chapter 5 verse 11 I'm picturing you with your Bibles open in your lap always take every opportunity you have to have your Bible open and even especially maybe in front of your children having your Bibles open and following along wherever you might be be in your your house Acts chapter 5, 11, And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things, and by the hands of the apostles. And again, I want to point out to you that following this message, Pastor Rodney Ingram has been doing a series on the apostles. And I encourage you to hang in there to the, the 9 o'clock hour, 9.30 hour, 930 hour, and to see this series on the apostles. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders worked among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now, Solomon's porch, it's almost as big as the Jordan Center. And it's got gazebos everywhere where different groups of people meet constantly. No, they're not doing the COVID thing. They're meeting together. And in this case, the apostles and the people, the followers were meeting daily in the church and growing and having the apostles teach them. Remembering that, that it is important that once we open the church, Once we get it open and get it safe for for people to come, it's important for you to have that desire in your heart to come back. If you can physically, if you are able to come back to church, come back. We'll be putting out those uh, safety... Uh, precautions out. We'll be having the church marked off in different ways, but that's very important. And the uh, the first century church grew leaps and bounds because of their fellowship. King David, while hiding in a cave, desired in his heart to once again be back in the congregation. So let that build up and I hope I hope you will join us once we do. I want to start this off with reminding you there are two chairs. Two chairs. There is the judgment seat of Christ. Judgment chair. And then there's the mercy seat of Christ. Judgment is God's job. Ju- mercy is God's job and our job. Our ability to do divine things is to give mercy even to those that don't deserve it. I wanted to remind you of this because in Second in Corinthians chapter five, we see, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, where He will judge us, Things done in His body. While in this world... According to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. That's the judgment seat. Next we have the mercy seat. Romans nine fifteen. for he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and compassion. Mercy and compassion. He's the one that gives it but he tells us and teaches us to be merciful to others more on mercy in a minute there are not just two chairs there are two types of people then there are those that judge others very quick to judge to criticize to complain about others and those there are those that give mercy to others i find myself in matthew chapter 7 1 and 2 judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment for with what judgment you you give to others it shall be measured to you also be very careful with this be careful the more we judge others the more judgment we get from God. Be careful. Wow. Just trying to be an encouragement to you and set up these seven keys to happiness. Judging others. Criticism is a supernatural gift given to us from the devil. He wants us to bite and eat up one another, to complain, to lower everybody's elevator so we seem better and bigger and smarter. Criticism, a supernatural gift given to us from the devil. So we see here happiness. A broad, general, specific key to happiness is emphasize mercy with others. James 213 says, for he shall James two thirteen, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed to no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. Wow. What's best to be merciful and not judgmental? That's what's best. Oh, in Colossians 3, eight, it talks about the great replacement doctrine. Hmm. In, in Acts 5.12, it had said they were all with one accord. They were in full agreement on how to live and how to grow. They differed in small things. But they agreed on the larger things, and with that is and with that is the things the the most important things of life they differed on the smaller things And to do that, you have to have the you have to have the great replacement doctrine in your life Colossians chapter three eight but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth. Blasphemy is interesting in that it's not so much speaking badly of God as speaking badly of men, blaspheming other people. Judging and condemning them, injuring their name and their testimony by suggesting evil things about them, and the more we do that, here we are with two elevators. we're all equal in God's eyes, but as we as we badmouth others, we're making their elevator, their esteem go low, and that makes us seem better, smarter. We're just so much smarter than other people who we look down upon and we condemn. Filthy communication, that is all lewd and dirty talking, which comes from a polluted heart. It comes from a, the abundance of the heart. In Matthew twelve thirty four, asking you to read along. Oh, generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35, when I say that, I have have said this so often. I am very careful what goes into my heart. I guard my heart. Out of it are the essential things, the most important things. I have to be careful because much of of my preaching is extemporaneous. I read verses and then I explain them out of the overflow of my heart. If I look at, if I read, if I watch things that are evil, it starts to fill up in my heart, in your heart. And when it overflows onto other things and the way we even speak, Wow. Verse 35 of that scripture, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. And again, I say to you, be careful. Oh, be careful what goes into the eye gate, the ear gate and ends up in your heart, the seat of emotion Be careful because if you read good things, if you watch good things, it comes out in your life and in your heart. It comes out in your conversation. But Jesus says, I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Why did you say that? Why would you say that? So important for us to to remember that we will be held accountable in a courtroom, so to speak, for our idle words. There will be a day of judgment. Back in Colossians 3, verse 9, it says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man and his deeds. Put off lies. Lie not one to another. Don't be deceitful. There's a naturally tendency for lying to destroy friendships, relationships among men. In Colossians 3 9, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man and his deeds. And then verse 10 on your screen, and you have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him so important for the word of god to permeate your heart and your soul it's what helps to renew us and putting on the new man the doctrine again of replacement if you take if you stop doing one thing but don't don't replace it with something good you'll end up going back to the, the old thing again. So take off the old man and put on the new man. Now this is what the new man looks like. We will have this all the way through the message. These are the things that the new man uh, will look like. There is a key to happiness. One of the keys is to practice Humility. On your screen there, I have J O Y. This is what humility looks like Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. J O Y. You see, pride is the opposite of humility, pride destroys spiritual growth. Humility. Humility is the fertilizer. It is the fertilizer of spiritual growth. Thinking too highly of yourself is the enemy to, even to Christ. But thinking too highly of yourself uh, was Lucifer's mistake. He thought too highly of himself. We, we always talk about the Lucifer syndrome. When we think so highly of ourselves that we are better, that our opinions are better than everybody else, that the way we would have done it isn't the way everybody else should do it. They should do it my way, my way, or the highway. Wow. We talk about the Lucifer syndrome and the I wills. So Isaiah 14, verse 13. Isaiah 14, 13. For you have said in your heart, I will. Ascend into heaven. This is Satan. I'm going into heaven. I will exalt my throne. I will set also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will. Next verse. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Listen. Listen. Let the the difference between you and Satan be. Leave the judging, the judgment to God, the judgments to God, the judging of others to God, and practice humility, practice encouragement. So after we get through all that that we've just talked about, I would like to talk to you again about the seven more keys to happiness. How to be happy. How to be happy regardless of the circumstances. How to get through this disease that we're all running from. The first key. Verse 12 of Colossians 3. Put on therefore as the elect of God. Holy and beloved. The holy and beloved are descriptions of The Christian, the elect, the chosen. The word elect is chosen. The the chosen of God, holy and beloved. Those that are holy are the chosen of God. Of those who are the elect of God and holy and beloved, beloved of God. Those type of people ought to be loved and lovers of of other people. We ought to be like our Jesus. We are to consider them holy and beloved of men. Practicing the principle of replacement takes off the bad that we used to do and replaces the new. This is such an oversimplification to me. But it's me. Years ago, in my Navy days, before I was saved, I drank a lot of beer When I got saved, for me, I got rid of the beer. I took a vow that I would never drink any alcoholic beverages. I replaced the beer, though, with Pepsi. Oh, my goodness, I drank bosses of Pepsi every day. Never was there a picture with me without a Pepsi in my hand. I replaced the alcohol with Pepsi. And then one day, some 20 years ago, on the steps of this very church i took a vow against pepsi i was killing myself my health and now i drink water but it's become a favorite drink of mine i had to train myself but i got i i was able to replace the one with the other had i not replaced it i would have gone back no doubt The doctrine of replacement. If you have things in your life that are bad, evil, bad habits, replace them. Use this time. Redeem this time. Wisely using it to replace your bad habits with good habits. Colossians 3.12. What are we supposed to do? We are to put on therefore as the elect, chosen of God, holy and beloved, we are to put on bowels of mercies and kindness bowels of mercy and kindness those that owe so much to mercy ought to be merciful well, let me ask you this question in your past looking back on it did you make mistakes did you make moral mistakes did you did you, do you have some terrible dark secrets in your life that you wouldn't want anyone else to know? Of course we all do. We all have that. We are to uh, with others we are to be merciful to them. Be merciful. Be therefore merciful as your father is merciful. I will give mercy My intent is to give mercy to whomever Jesus would give mercy to. If he would give mercy to the adulterous woman, like he did, go and sin no more. We're not supposed to be like that. That is an ugly tenet of Christianity where we sit back down our long nose and condemn condemn others for how they're living. Forgetting that we used to do that too or worse. Merciful. Put on bowels of mercy. Put on kindness. Kindness towards our friends and those who love us. The design. The design of Of Christianity. Is to soften the hearts of man. To allow God to soften your heart. To be able to give mercy. And kindness. To others. Kindness is going the extra mile. Not just doing the obligation. The obligatory. But to go the extra mile. For others. Doing the extra thing. For others. It goes on in verse 12 again: Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, a description of us. Put on bowels of mercies, kindness, and three, humbleness of mind. Humbleness of mind and then meekness. Humbleness of mind and meekness go together, they are three and four. Meekness is the absence of anger towards those who have provoked us. What? Meekness is the absence of anger toward those who have provoked us. Wow. Some great heroes of our faith were considered great, meek people. Even in picking Moses to lead the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt... God didn't choose a great, mighty, strong warrior. He chose a goat herder who couldn't believe that he would be chosen. Not me, Lord. I I can't do that. And God baby stepped him into leadership, one of the greatest leaders of, of all time. And yet he was considered meek. The absence of anger. When the Israelites made mistakes, big time mistakes, he would go before the Lord and beg for their forgiveness. Forgive them, Lord. So, wow, meekness, the absence of anger toward those who have provoked us or injured. In Colossians 3.12 again, we, we see the scripture, put on therefore the elect of God, put it on, holy and beloved. We're supposed to be holy without sin. Beloved, loving God with all of our hearts and loving one another, put on bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, and meekness. After that is the word longsuffering. Now I like this one. I like this one. My wife and I have been married some 47 years. I'm looking for an... Yeah, uh, we're very, at least I am very happily married, very much in love. And I just praise God that she is so long suffering. I praise God that he has given me a wife that is so long suffering with me. What is long suffering? Long suffering towards those who continue to provoke us. Those who differ with us you can be happily married and have differences her gifts and abilities are different than mine we compliment one another as we go into the ministries i trust her word on things her her ideas on things but we do differ on some things she loves believe it or not a wonderful clean neat house but she has me as a husband that leaves my coat or my shoes, or this or that, everywhere. So, I try so hard. I do. I work at it. But I'm not as neat as she would have me. Now, this is an oversimplification. Long-suffering towards those who continue to provoke us. I am at my wit's end. That's it. I'm done. I hear that too often. We can't be done. We can't be at our wit's end. We must endure the differences that we make. We must endure those who provoke us, those who differ with us, not just in our marriages, in our families, even in our church. Right now, especially in our church. 1 Corinthians 13:4, many can bear a short argument, difference, provocation. Who are weary of bearing, but when it grows long, we give up. We get mad. We we lose our meekness. We explode when people don't do things our way. We must remember. We're all so different. We're all so different. He puts us together, and we are to endure, and continue. To endure one another's differences. Wow. And if that wasn't enough. Christ says in verse 12 again. Put on therefore as the elect chosen of God. Holy without sin. Trying to live without sin. Beloved loving God loving others. Put on mercies. Put on kindness. Put on humbleness of mind. Put on meekness and long-suffering. And if that's not enough, he goes on with forbearing one another. Forbearing one another. Mutual. Mutual forbearance. In consideration of the weaknesses and the deficiencies under which we all live, forbearing one another, we have, all of us, something which needs to be put up with. And this is a good reason why we should bear with others in what is so disagreeable to us, to tolerate one another's differences and weaknesses. Forbearance. Take off the old, which might have been criticism, complaining, and judging, and put on the new, forbearing one another, tolerating one another. And then last, one of my very favorites, be an easy forgiver. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against even, if any man have a quarrel against any, as Christ forgave, we also forgive as well. Wow. Kind of love that part. You're you're commanded of God to forgive me. To forgive me even as your pastor, as your friend, forgive me where I have disappointed you. You're you're supposed to be able to be easy and easy forgiver not with just your pastor and your staff, the staff here, but to forgive member to member, to forgive husbands and wives, your children, to forgive, teaching them to forgive as well. Be an easy forgiver. While we're in this world, where there is so much sin and selfishness in our hearts and so much occasion of differences and arguments, quarrels, quarrels are going to happen. Differences of opinion are going to happen even among the elect of God who are holy and beloved. So again... Remember, be an easy forgiver. When I say that, I bring up a Bible illustration. Paul and Barnabas went out on on the, the first missionary journey. God selected them both and they went out for so long and they planted so many churches and led so many to Christ. And yet, they had a big argument. Which parted them from one another, and you would think, oh my, Paul and Barnabas? Yeah, well, Barnabas went out on his own with someone else, and S- Paul picked up Silas, and now you had two missionary teams out there, huh? What well, in in Acts fifteen thirty nine that speaks of? In Galatians two fourteen it talks about the the difference of opinion Paul and Peter had. Great men of God. But they had differences with one another. Paul accused Peter of of showing favoritism to the Jewish Christians. Paul was saying they're all equal in God's eyes. So even as Christ forgives you, so also forgive those who have differences of opinions. Please remember that. It goes on. In verse 14, Colossians 3:14, above all these things, put on love. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now, love is the cement and the center of a happy life. Love is the center and the, uh, the cement of a happy life, a happy marriage. And a happy growing church, love. Love is the self-sacrificing kind, not the lustful kind. The self-sacrificing, unselfish love for, for one another. Above all these things, put on love. Wow. Next, let the peace of God rule in your heart talking about having a throne in your heart where Jesus is sitting on that throne, the peace of of Jesus ruling in your heart to give ourselves to be governed by the, the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. If you think about right now, those people in your life, in your family, in your church, at work, at school, what are we supposed to do? Let the peace of God rule in your heart. It's something that we are to pursue. We are to keep peace. We are to make peace. We are to, Romans four seventeen. let this peace rule in your heart. Let it govern as an umpire Whether you should make a fuss of something or whether you should simply seek peace and pursue it. Wow. Well, there are three enemies of peace. Now, hold on. Don't go get another cup of coffee yet. There are three enemies of peace that just if you can picture if you can picture a lake when the winds come and just cause all these waves or or, the smoothness of a lake with no wind that's peace, but there are three enemies of peace worry, one of the greatest, and right now we're in a we're in a covid nineteen thing where we're all supposed to be separated, wearing masks, having gloves. We are not to worry. Worry. Worry, small God. When we worry, we forget that God is on the throne. When we think, oh, woe is me, what are we going to do? God's in charge. Now, you listen to me, Christians, even non Christians. This is a timeline, this is where you are. This is where God's going to take us. And he's in baby steps right now. And we are going toward the end of our time here very quickly. Things that are happening in this world are happening. And they are going to bring us up to this point where we go to heaven. The rapture. A universal global world. Everybody the same. Everybody has the has the same uh medical things insurance all going to be the same we're all we're being led there like a lamb to the slaughter Uh, we see all these things happening in in some countries they're wanting to put a grain of rice the size of a grain of rice in your in your wrist to be able to show that you you have had the that to show that you have have overcome COVID 19 and that you're safe And you won't be allowed in some stores if you don't have that in your arm. You won't be able to buy without that in your arm. That could quite possibly be in our future. But God's in charge. Please remember God's in charge of it all. We're looking down upon us, living among us and preparing us for what's ahead. So many prophecies are falling by the wayside, being completed. Worry, small God, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I love that quote. I stumbled upon it this week. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future. I don't know what's happening next week, next month, next year. He does. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. God, wow. Criticism is an enemy of peace as long as we are, as long as we set up ourselves as judge and jury and we critique and criticize and complain about others. When I think about this, in a couple of weeks, we all might even be back here in our church. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be making changes this church has never seen before. Every other pew and things like that. We're going to be doing things differently. We're we're going to be doing things not your way, though. You might have your own idea. But we're going to settle with council, meeting, and all that. We're going to be settling on some, some guidelines for our church so that we can open back up. With a brand new parking lot as well. But we have to understand your way might be just as good as what we're going to decide to do. But you have to be able to respect and honor the leadership of the church. Criticism. My ways are better than your ways, my idea is better than your idea. If God if God had wired, if God has wired you a certain way, good. You might be able to see things differently than others. But don't criticize others for the way God wired them. Hmm. So much to say on that. Proverbs 3.10. Only by pride comes contention. Wow. Criticism. Then last is bitterness. Oh, some of us are like raisins. My sweet wife has her 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 snack. They're all shriveled up. Some of us are like raisins. That's what bitterness does to you. It shrivels you up. Bitterness. Bitterness is a lack of forgiveness. So simple to understand. If you, if you are holding grudges against others, you have a lack of forgiveness and you're bitter. You're bitter in your heart, and that comes out your mouth, too, by the way. We need to be able to forgive. Now, better I'd better address what that means. Forgive. That means I'm not going to bring it up again. It doesn't mean I'm going to forget until I don't bring it up again for months or years. Then I have a tendency to forget or remember it so that I can help others. Bitterness is one of the great enemies of peace. You can't have peace with God if if you have bitterness in your heart he wants us to forgive others just as he forgave me i want to be able to forgive others of their of their sins against me bitterness to have a good life seek peace seek peace with one another and chase after it if god has wired you a certain way. Don't criticize others for the way God wired them. Ephesians 4, 1 sums all these up. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, the Apostle Paul, I beg you that you walk worthy of the vocation, the calling that you've been called with. You've been called as a Christian, holy and beloved. Holy is not to be perfectly sinless. Holy is the desire to be sinless. I make mistakes. I'm human. I'm going to make mistakes. But I don't want to. I don't intend to. With all lowliness... Verse 2 Ephesians 4 2 and meekness with long suffering, forbearing in love, endeavoring, working to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What a life. Do you have it? Do you have that life? Are there changes you need to make? Redeeming the time? Are there people that need to forget that need to be forgiven? What a life. Do you have it? More importantly, if you don't have it, do you want it? Are there things for you to do, Christian, to please God with your forgiveness, to please God with your trusting Him no matter what? Are there things you need to do, Christian, to take off the old and put on the new? do that this morning do that right now don't put it off are there are there habits in your life that are so displeasing to god and you know it use this moment to take that off cast them off of you and put on the new the new christian also though there might be those listening to me that You've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. As a matter of fact, if you were to die today, you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell. As a matter of fact, if the rapture were to happen right now and everybody that was a born-again Christian went to heaven, would you go with them? Do you have that absolute knowledge? Do you have the love? and the peace that comes from being a part of the family of God. Love, peace, the ability to live with one another. What a family it is. What a family. Don't forget the two judgment seats. And there's more. We'll talk about more tonight and Wednesday night. The judgment seat and the mercy seat won't you become a part of the family of God won't you increase your usefulness to Jesus Christ with your time your talent and your treasure let us pray Lord Jesus Christ only you can judge you right now Lord can judge our hearts You, Lord, tell us. I remember so many times in my life asking you, what should I change? And getting an answer and changing to please you. Right now, Lord, there might be those that need to take off the old, the old man, the old habits and put on the new man. Love. Peace, joy, unity, lack of lack of judgment, forgiveness. Lord, Holy Spirit back to those who don't know what would happen should the end come their income or the rapture happening. They don't know, but they want to know. They want to be part of the family of God. Lord, let them pray this prayer with me, but mean it with all their heart, right there in their kitchen or living room. They can pray it silently, but pray it, but they must pray it with all their heart. Lord, I mean this, Lord. Forgive me. I am a sinner. I've done bad things. I've made mistakes. Forgive me. I know, I know, Lord, that there is a price to pay for being a sinner and that I I have to go to hell because of it. But I know you paid my penalty. Oh Jesus, forgive me. My sin has been paid for on the cross. Lord, come into my heart. Be my Savior and my Lord, the Lord of my life. Help me, Lord, with that replacement. Help me, Lord, as I struggle to get rid of the old and put on the new. But Lord, just knowing you're helping me helps me to want to please you. Let me please you with my life. In Jesus' name.